Hi, and welcome to the 12th House Podcast. I'm Michelle, and on today's episode, we have the whole Holisticism team, because we're talking about something that really, really gassed us up. (laughs) We're talking about competition. Competition in the wellness space. And we're talking about what is often the byproduct of competition, which is imitation. (laughs) And this episode was definitely inspired by some things that have happened to us as a company over the last couple of weeks, which is always an interesting thing to be navigating sort of in real time. And we just wanted to like have a conversation out loud about this weird territory. (laughs) What do you do when people imitate or copy something that you've made from your soul? (laughs) How do you not take it personally and not get butthurt about it and be the bigger person and have empathy and like, as Thais says, boss up and just know that there's no one who can really replicate what you do when you're doing it with your intuition, which is a beautiful thing about running an intuitive business. But also how do we navigate those waters and respect ourselves and hold our value and also reflect back to others that we do honor ourselves and we do respect the work that we do and we do have integrity and we expect that for the people around us. So it's not okay to like, you know, sidle up on someone's work and call it your own. But we have a great conversation. (laughs) Maybe I'm biased, but I think my team are, they are the smartest people ever. And I hope that at the end of this, if you've ever dealt with feelings of imposter syndrome or fear of showing up because you're afraid that people are going to copy your ideas, or even maybe being afraid to be yourself and trying on other people's personas, which we talk about a ton in our conversation, I hope that this gives you a little bit of a jumping off point or some food for thought. And I just want to say like, we're all human. And the most important thing I think that we talk about so much in the next 30 minutes is this is not about competing with each other. This is about elevating each other as often as we can and staying in our own integrity and being impeccable with our word in the words of the four agreements and honoring ourselves in our worth and also having compassion and empathy for others and knowing that when we are all authentically and truly ourselves, there's room for all of us to succeed and there's room for all of us to soar. And that's really the point, right? Is that we want to be the fullest, most dimensional versions of ourselves in everything that we do from our work to our relationships, to our spiritual life and beyond. So I hope that you enjoy this episode. If you've ever just been super pissed (laughs) to see someone claiming your work as their own, or maybe you've been on the other side of it and have gotten a little bit too close to imitating someone, then I hope this gives you a bit of solace and maybe some ideas for how to move forward from there. So I hope you enjoy this. And with that, let's get into the episode. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to the podcast, (laughs) 12th House. We are happy to have you here. I'm Janelle. (laughs) The best intro. I'm Michelle. (laughs) 
think we need to re-record some intros featuring Janelle. Yeah, Janelle intros uh, only. <laughs> they'll all be hot messes, just letting you know. And I'm Wallace. And it's me, your girl, Taishi. <laughs> the whole Holisticism crew is here. And we're just gazing at each other lovingly on Zoom, ready to talk about a couple things competition versus collaboration, boundary setting, and how to like be authentic in your work while also collaborating with others. It's going to be a doozy. So we have this amazing community of people in the North Node. And a couple of weeks ago, one of our North Noders posted a post (laughs) in our group talking about how she's noticed that all these people in her sort of area have started knocking off her work and copying her work. And she was asking for advice and for a pep talk. And at the time, I think I threw in some words of like, you're original and no one can copy you at the end of the day. And then this year, like in the past two weeks, we've had three people blatantly plagiarize our work at Holisticism. And I'm one for signs. And I feel like if something happens in threes, then that means that there's something that's up energetically that we have to address or that like, that there's something to learn from. So we've been kind of exploring that as a team and talking about it. And there's a lot of juicy goodness there. So that's why we're having this conversation. Just straight up 12th house shit. We're pulling the curtain back on what's going on in our own business. Yeah, it's tricky. It's tricky. It's amazing because I feel like one of the things that we talked about initially was how it really is a compliment, right? It's like a sign of like you're doing something right, like things are going well, but then there comes a point where you do have to navigate keeping ownership of your work and keeping others accountable for creating their own work, you know, and not taking yours. It's a hard, I feel like, thing to balance, especially because you, Michelle, I know specifically are like, I feel like you have such a kind and like a gentle soul. I also know and recognize that like when it's time to, and it, you need to, as Thais puts it, boss up, You're very good at doing that as well. (laughs) So I feel like I can can see you handling situations like that with effortless ease, but I'm sure it's not easy to get to figuring out how to do that. Especially when you're dealing with members or like people that you like, you may know at the same time, again, you don't want people actually stealing your work. You know, this is something that you have put the time and energy into. And so what do those boundaries look like? How do you set that? How do you set that standard from the beginning so that you're not necessarily having this problem as your business is growing and building. Is that even something that's possible to do, I feel like? It is possible. And you want to know how? It is by our beings, like the magic of what we can create. It's the magic of who we can have, what we have access to. It's the realms that our minds can go to because our guide. This is like a problem that we're having right now on Earth as physical beings, right? But like, we don't have to brave this necessarily on our own. And like, we can get that insight and then boss up practically because it's like, and now I know the tools of how to go. My homies help me figure it out, you know? Yeah. Do you guys think this is happening a little bit more right now from a place of scarcity? thinking about energetically what's happening generally, you know, in our society, why do you think this is coming up? Because this has come up with friends in discussions about their own work recently for me too. So I'm wondering energetically, is this related to a scarcity mindset that 
understandably a lot of people are experiencing. What do you guys think? Yeah. I mean, I think there are a couple of things, right? Like there's always multiple factors at play. I think that right now capitalism is having a reckoning, right? And everything that comes along with Mm -hmm. capitalism and competition is not a byproduct of capitalism. It is the idea that capitalism is built upon, right? That if we have, mm -hmm, exactly. That if we have a free market, that the cream of the crop will rise to the top. The best of the best will beat out the mediocre. And so there is competition to be the best. The idea of competition is actually just a myth. That's not true. There actually are enough resources for everyone on the planet to be supported and have a good life. There actually are enough clients for every person out there who's a nutritionist or who is, I don't know, an energy healer or who's an Akashic Records reader to have all the clients that they need. We can both offer the same service and it's it's all good. We're not in competition with each other. And I think also competition turns everyone into either winners or losers. And that means that there's no equity in what we do, or there is like the idea of equity becomes very like fragile if we're constantly in competition because we're trying to be better than, and that's a form of white supremacy, I think too. So I think that mindset can be really, really of competition and trying to be better than or the best or like outplaying the people around you is like a harrowing experience. Can you imagine like trying to live like that all the time, like trying to be the best constantly? It sounds fucking exhausting. And I think that as like capitalism is sort of in its death throes, these ideas are like gripping on so strong in people and like trying to come out. And I don't know. I just don't think that that is like the way. just don't really believe in competition. I think it's being especially stressed right now because we're confronted with like, what does it mean to be in community and reassessing the idea of community on so many levels and how that is such a threat to all of the capitalistic structures because they thrive on individuality and not supporting the whole. And I think that's so part of the American dream. And that's something that is really hard to take away from a culture in general is this idea that if I work harder, faster, or longer, I can beat you. Yeah. And then I'll be taken care of, not we will take care of each other in community. I also feel like in terms of why it feel like it's coming up frequently now from a practical point of view is like coming out of last year, being in a pandemic and feeling that sort of unconscious pressure and some of it conscious for a lot of people because I saw a lot of memes on Instagram about (laughs) if if you're not creating something if you're not building a business like you're you're the problem the hustle's you know and I'm like oh my god like Jesus yeah exactly were you seeing those memes towards the end of the year I saw them definitely way less frequently towards the end of the year they were heavy in the beginning they were way heavy in the beginning um I definitely saw a lot more grace and space as the year went by I think people were just experiencing their own highs and lows and they were like listen I can't sustain being productive this year. that just is impossible yeah. to say no <laughs> but I still feel like there was a momentum that came out of that 
enough people who felt like, like, I have to be honest, this was a time for me personally through the pandemic where a lot of my life, I thrived. I did create, I built, I built a business and I, you know, did like, I even made a production and like did a bunch of stuff. And so I felt that, but I, I did those things when I felt inspired and motivated to do those things. Had I tried to do those things outside of the, the motivation or the inspiration, I felt myself feeling anxious and, or guilty or non-productive or lazy. And maybe that those are the things or the types of feelings that lend itself to scarcity that makes people feel like, hey, I need to grasp for, for something mm-hmm. because I'm missing my year. I missed my year, you know? I hear you and I, I hear you, sis. But I don't think that that can oh, excuse no. people. I'm not, I'm not making it an excuse at all. I'm just saying in terms of why that's happening. I'm not saying you are. I'm just talking about the people who are listening to this podcast. I don't want them to think, oh, that justifies why I'm doing this. No. <laughs> No, yes, you're right. It does not justify (laughs) at all. So, okay, I agree. Okay, I think this all goes back to like whatever it might be, whether it's like stealing ideas or taking ideas from other people without referencing them or appropriating. I feel like that's very similar for like appropriating from cultures and not giving reference or, or resourcing them or getting permission. These are like somewhat, they're this in the same vein. But like this all kind of goes back to competition and not being enough and not having enough right? I don't know. I feel like I could tell a million stories of like when I felt crazy competitive with someone and it's insane. Like you feel like a crazy person. All I could think about was that person. And like, oh, I have a good story of when I broke up with somebody and we were just like competing to be the most okay, you know, on Instagram, like who is the most okay in this? Like, <laughs> Oh no, no, no. I'm doing the best right now. Cause I'm living the best life. And like furiously, you know, refreshing my, my Instagram feed and like making sure that he saw how great I was doing and how awesome I was and how much fun I was having without him. And I feel like mm-hmm. that energy, that like competitive energy is the same in business, same in relationships. And it is all consuming and it like totally shuts you down from your intuition. If you're like obsessed with someone else and how people perceive you and like being a better then, you're just like, you're drowning out your own gold. And like Thais said, like you're drowning out the information that is like begging to come through. It's true. You're blocking it from coming through. And it has to be in a what doing what we're doing if you don't have access. Because aren't you to be an instrument? Is this not your person? Right. Well, that's the block. It's like they're looking away from where their light actually resides and looking at yeah. ours, you know. A word. They're not even looking at their light because they're blinded by me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, let's like, it reminds me of what we talked about in shadow work, how like so often we can't acknowledge the gold in ourselves and we project it onto somebody else. And like, I kind of wonder if our obsessions with people, like when we're super jealous of them and the life that they have, if that is just, we like can't own that amazing part of ourselves and we're projecting it onto someone else. We're like actually obsessed with trying to understand that in us. And maybe like in our attempts to, we make the mistake of just like outright, like copying and pasting (laughs) into our lives, what those people are doing. When in reality, we have to find our own flavor of what that gold looks like to us. Like our unique God-given work or our mm-hmm. unique God-given perspective. Well, because it's like you're looking for someone else to fix and connect that part of you to your deeper self, but no one can do that for you. That's mm-hmm. that's your work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have a, a theory to potentially go off of. Oh yeah, float it. I'm, 
<laughs> I'm going to throw it out there. So it's from this guy, Dr. Craig Malkin, and I heard him on another podcast, I don't know, a while ago, but he has a theory on the kind of other extreme end of narcissism being echoism. Mm. and how he explains it I'm just going to read some quotes by him but he says where narcissists are addicted to feeling special echoists are afraid of it in the myth of narcissus echo the nymph who eventually falls madly in love with narcissus has been cursed to repeat back the last few words that she hears like her namesake echoists definitely struggle to have the a voice of their own so he says the myth contains both sides of narcissism, the dangers of addiction to feeling special and the inability to enjoy feeling special at all. Mm. Shit. Damn, dude. I think people so, stop coming up with names for things. I know, right? There's a name for everything. <laughs> people to stop dragging like, me is what needs to happen. Up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that, let's not read my book, okay? <laughs> I felt, the same, I felt the same way. I was like, wait, there's another, there's a name for everything. There's a diagnosis for everything. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because when I hear some of these things, like, you know, like, I don't think I'm an, an echoist, but you hear some of these things and you're like, there are aspects of that, right? That like, I've definitely shown up as oh, yeah. like in my life, yeah. 100%, you know? But I think it's all a spectrum. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt but you. I, I think that's face where right now. so upset. <laughs> Okay, well, this is great. This will spark some discourse. I'm just saying, like, that shit went all the way over my head. I was like, what are they doing right now? I don't know. Excellent. All right, so this is where I took it. <laughs> I think it's it's all a spectrum, and I agree with what you're saying, Janelle. It's like, we all have qualities of being narcissists, too. Like, you're, you fall somewhere. Like, it's not black and white. It's not either or. And I think that's really hard to remember and for us to hold. But I think what I took from learning about this was, I think people who are more on the opposite end of narcissism, who have such a lack of self-trust and self-doubt, and speaking just from experience, I think it's much easier to feel in competition with people in comparison with people constantly when you're really not in touch with your own desires, your own needs, and just kind of being in touch with, you know, that deeper layer of you. So you're constantly projecting on to other people, wherever other people's needs. That's kind of what I took from it. Like this extreme, it's like you're not a narcissist, but you're so self-doubting that mm. it actually has these dark qualities to it. Yeah. Oh, that makes um <laughs> and yeah. yeah, and it may not even be like self-doubting. I mean, I think yes, I, I think that's probably the most the greatest aspect of it. But I think there could even just be a level of just a lack of a awareness of identity. Does that mm -hmm. make sense? Like, yeah. like not even knowing to know to create your own, you know, that, exactly. or that you have your own. But also on another level though, I have to say this is all linked to, there are some people that make sure that there are other people who never have access to a light or to a thought that they could be more than an echo in. Yeah. And the in capitalism, mm -hmm. and that participates in white supremacy. Mm -hmm. And then you have people of color and Black people and all of the things who never even know what they mm -hmm. could be. And that's also just all a part of this, like us participating in competition. Granted, like some competition is healthy, right? And capitalism isn't inherently bad. We can be conscious to be capitalists, Maybe. right? 
Yeah, that is a whole other podcast. Whole other podcast. <laughs> yeah. Because I would love to have that conversation for sure. Yes, yeah. we will. We will. Let's just bookmark that. Yeah. But, but like you're taking work from someone else and saying that you're trying to create community, inherently what you're doing is anti-community because you're taking from somebody else to build yourself up as an individual and it don't work like that if you think that getting above somebody is what you want it's just like now we kind of really make it Mm. simple so we can all yeah Mm -hmm. totally as you described that I was like that's what our forefathers did (laughs) (laughs) yeah and I don't think I think that with everything everything you all are saying like yes yes 100 percent and I, I think that there's lots of layers to this and it depends on the situation and the person that these things could come up. But I also think with the echoism thing, a lot of people learn that it, it's not safe for them to be special in their young lives, right? Especially intuitive people. If you're intuitive and you're a kid mm-hmm. and you meet an adult and you just know something's fucking off about them when you're a little kid yeah. and you see them and they can tell that you see them you get in trouble, right? Yeah. They shut you down. Yeah, you do. So you learn to like be not special or to just like, maybe the way to be loved is to like fade into the background and not be problematic, not draw attention to yourself. That's, that's definitely how I grew up. Like do not cause any trouble. Do not, I don't want to hear about you. I don't want to see you just like exist and don't cause problems. And so I think that echoism can kind of be a little bit of that maybe of like, I don't want to be special because I learned that being special isn't safe. If someone else is special and safe, they're thriving, they have an amazing life, they're successful, then I can copy that because that's safe. So I can be special in in their way. And that's really sad. Like I think at the end of the day, that's just really sad because you're you don't feel safe to be yourself and to be seen as yourself. And we should all feel safe to be our authentic, most authentic versions of ourselves. I think we're just trying to be accepted. So when we see other people being accepted and we're like, oh, I can be special in that way and that's how people will love me, then we're like, okay, I'm gonna try that until I finally learn that it's just, that I can be special in my own way and I can be loved just by being myself innately. But damn, that shit's so fucking hard to learn. Yep. <laughs> I'm just gonna tell you, let me tell you, but that that's the work. That's yes. literally the work I feel like that's like <laughs> happening on a daily basis. Can I give a small little anecdote? Because yes, I actually please. never shared this publicly with anybody, but Oh, you heard it first. <laughs> Y'all heard it. Boosters, your world star. <laughs> I just I have a little guilty pleasure in my world star. But yeah, okay. So I I used to run a production company and that I dissolved actually last year. And when I started the production company, I started it with a partner, with two partners, actually. And both those women were white. It was my idea to start the production company. I really wanted to start creating my own work through my own company. But I knew that these two women, because they were integral in the first film that I ever made, needed to be a part of this company. They also were going to be great partners. And so we did that. We created a company. We put in our money. We started working together. And as time moved on and we continued to create and produce, and I was developing my series No Chill, I started to feel bits of, not competition, but I guess competition is the best word I could use. There was a sense of, I was scared that anything that, that I created would be accredited to the white women that were next to me specifically because all of history shows me that, right? That like 
for the most part, when Black people create something, it's stolen by white people. And so I didn't realize that at the time, but I really, really struggled in my relationship, specifically to my main partner, who I work the most with. I really struggled in my relationship because I was dealing with a power struggle because I was scared that the work that I felt like was mine would be taken credit for. Needless to say, long story short, too late, that relationship dissolved. It did not end well. It took me about a year, maybe two years, to be honest, to come back around and realize what I was actually experiencing through that time, which was, to me, it was, I call it PTSD and didn't even realize yeah. that it was PTSD. But for the longest, I, I carried a lot of guilt and shame because I felt like I felt that I dishonored myself for not recognizing and realizing that my light was going to shine through no matter what. And I was able to forgive myself for that, obviously, because I didn't realize I was going through PTSD. But I wanted to say that because there are layers to all of this. There really are. And so specifically as a woman of color, as a Black woman, and in working and in being community with other women who don't look like me, specifically white women, there's a different level of scarcity, a feeling of scarcity that can come up for for women like me, Black women, or women of color in general. And so I just wanted to address that and say that because that is a very real thing in a way that has less to do with how you value yourself and more to do with what we've seen through history. And if we can recognize that, I feel like we can shift the focus because that, yeah, I, I had to, that's work that like I had to do. That's work that I'm still doing. That was a traumatizing experience for me. I have to be really honest. So yeah, I say, I don't know what the, how to conclude that, but I really, that was on <laughs> my heart. I really wanted to share that in this podcast. Cause I think that that's something that isn't spoken about a lot yeah. in terms of competition. I'm glad you did. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. like that with white supremacy, everyone who experiences marginalization under white supremacy is in competition with each other because there's only room for one, right? Like you hear so often, there's only room for one woman at the table. There's only room for one person of color at the table. There's only room for one. And you have to be also like the most special, the most superior, the like ideal version, right? And again, like that is centering whiteness and white men as the people who hold power and that we need to like perform for them and be accepted by them. When in reality, the truth is like, we hold far more, far more power. People who experience marginalization hold far more power than they do. There's more of us. And if we were able to be in collaboration with each other instead of competition with each other, if we're able to step outside of this construct and the structures of white supremacy and capitalism, I would say, then like we would get to the root of this problem much more quickly. But so Janelle, to your point, it's so complex, right? It is also so personal. Like each of us has to deconstruct this in ourselves and like, I'm not perfect at it. (laughs) And it still like comes up and it was hella triggering for like all this stuff to come up in the same week. Like, ugh, I thought I was over this. I'm like, I'm so good at sending people invoices when they like copy my shit. I'm amazing at it. I just like instantly send an invoice, like pay me for my copywriting that you knocked off and put on your website. And like, normally that's how I handle it. But there was something else to this that just like, ugh, didn't feel good. And I think part of it was like me feeling that competition arise in myself. I'm like, I don't want to perpetuate that. I want to be above that. But I also want to stand up for myself and stand in my worth and be an example for other people to know their worth too and not just be bulldozed or not just like accept it. It's, it's complicated. Yeah. You all said something just now about the worth. I also want to just also say that it is we are all privileged on yes. this right now. We have a position where we have time 
and resources that allow us to sit and yeah. think. A lot of people who participate in white supremacy because they have no other city, mm-hmm. because they have to. And this is what this is what white supremacy thrives on. Because like when I try to boycott people that are out here, like like Boya, man, what? I was just like, bruh, I'm not using your split peas anymore. But after like six grocery store shops, I had to buy Boya. And I- <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. So it's just like levels to this, but it's a privilege for us to do that. But there are some people who are simply trying to get by. And it, that's how white supremacy thrives on people who look like me and Janelle and women and women of color and all of the things, you know? But mainly trans black women of color because until they are being treated with any sort of like acknowledgement or kindness or anything, none of us are free. None of us. Mm-hmm. This is like a myth, right? Of the myth of capitalism, period, is that like we have to work in order to earn like any sort of support to live, like that we're not innately entitled to like living a life that is supported and has rest built into it and that has spaciousness and time that we have to constantly be on this cycle of like making money and working and doing and being productive in order to exist. And I think it's our God given right to have time to rest. Like Nat Ministry has been saying it for years and years and years. It shouldn't be a luxury or a privilege to be able to have these conversations, but unfortunately it is because of the structures that we live in. So (laughs) how do we like move out of competition? Just like now that we've kind of got our feet planted in it and like we kind of know what the terrain looks like, like what's the next step? Like where do you go from here? Oof, that's a great question. Yeah, this is, I think for me, what my personal thing would be is to go inside. Go inside and see what comes to me. And then move that way. So I'm going to just say that's my first step. And then whoever want to say what they Yeah. No, I think that that's on, though. I think that that's really the only thing you can do, right? Because ultimately, it's once you are able to have a recognition that competition is really only in the mind. You're not really competing against anybody but yourself. Then you have no one to go to but yourself. (laughs) Then I think it becomes about going back really quickly to rest. Not only do I believe that it is our God-given right to be able to rest, I truly believe that rest is the space where we truly are able to manifest and create. Mm -hmm. Black women, you better be (laughs) (laughs) well-rested. And so in that, I feel like if you are finding yourself banging your head against the wall and you are like, I don't know where my light is or what my light is or what I'm doing and what's happening, to me, that is the perfect time to go rest. Mm, I mean, that's the time to go lay your head, your little weary little head down, write in your journal, (laughs) listen to some music, vibe out, put yourself in a space where you feel good because that's where creation comes from I think you know I don't think that we can create truly anything that's sustainable or that has longevity from a space of anxiety or fear or lack yeah Um, so you need to yeah urgency Mm, exactly false urgency a hundred percent so to me the priority is getting you getting yourself to a space where you feel good and then just staying there as long as possible until something inspires you (laughs) yeah because it will happen (laughs) yeah the state of urgency ask yourself like what is the stem of urgency for me it's fear what am mm-hmm. i afraid of not having why am i afraid i don't have enough time oh at the root of it all is i'm afraid i'm gonna die yeah <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah that's true yeah yeah that's real shit 
It's true. I'm afraid I'm going to die, but can I believe that if there is enough for me to live and have a fruitful life until that? Or can I make peace with that? Can I make peace with that? That's a little deep. And also that's from Bell Hooks, All About Love. I'm not going to like take the credit. Um, that's where I got that. But yeah, that book is really great. So I think that if you analyze like what is my fear of death, then just flip urgency on its head and take your time. Our conversation can become like a little bit in a bubble, right? I think that that's act. I do think that that's active work. I think that Mm-hmm. The, because what you're talking about really is a lack of access, which is very real. And so in order to shift that, you have to be able to go into a space and give access. So, you know, th- I think that's very active. I think it's very physical. I think it's very much going into communities where you know that that access isn't there and figuring out ways to then ju- to give that access by hand. And so, yeah. So like when you're talking about specific things, like even just this platform, right, you know, holisticism, having holisticism, going into communities where, you know, there are spaces where you're, you're able to engage with a cohort of people and sharing information. I mean, literally word of mouth, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I think when it comes to that, that, that is the only, because, because the same way that like there's no access out, there's limited access in, right? Because th- that's how it's designed. So I think there's a, a need to, to walk into those spaces as somebody who has that access mm. and has that privilege. Yeah. And I think like there's, again, always levels and there's always work to dismantle with and there's work to do within ourselves, right? And not that we shouldn't like be constantly thinking of how we can be in community and help and have an impact on others and helping others. But I think we also need to like check ourselves too and see how we're like actively dealing with this and approaching it on a daily basis in ourselves. And for me, when I like feel competition or I feel urgency, that's a good note for me to reframe and to choose the opposite because like I always have a choice of how I like want to show up. So what's the opposite of being in competition? It's being best friends with someone. (laughs) It's like collaborating. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, instead of making you my enemy, because that's what a competitor is, like, uh, let's be BFFs. Because clearly there's there's something in you that I'm into because I'm obsessed with you, right? Like I'm jealous or I'm envious or I'm like, can't stop like looking at your Instagram stories. There's clearly something here. And like, why would I feed the like wolf of envy when I could feed the wolf of like friendship and collaboration and like uplift both of us and imp- like improve both of our lives? Because I know I'm fucking dope. So anyone who like becomes my friend is going to, their life's going to be elevated period, just because I'm really fun. So like, it's good for everyone. It's like shine theory, right? So whenever I feel like that competition rise up, I just ask myself, first off, am I really competitive with this person? Am I being like, is there something else here? And if I truly feel threatened, then like I should try to be friends with them and I should reach out and collaborate with them and see if they're a dope person. Like see if we are aligned. And if so, like let's work together because even if you, Janelle, and I, like, if we're, we teach the exact same thing, there are just some people that are not going to be my people who <laughs> just are, like, not going to like me and not going to have, like, be with my vibe. And there are going to be some people that are obsessed with you and don't care for, care about me and vice versa. And that means that there's room for both of us. And if we, like, you know, come together like super power rangers, and that just means that we can help as many people as we possibly can. And, like, I don't know you make a new friend. I think that that's the key to like getting out of competition. I love that. Yeah. 
And I think it it also gets away from the idea that we need to do everything on our own and be on this island. And yes. like, that's how we'll achieve and have our voices heard is just like me, 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 me. It's like, actually, you can do so much more together. And like you're saying, making best friends out of competitors, you can get so much more done. And who knows what you'll make together, mm-hmm. as opposed to being an island. Yeah, I mean, I always really believe that when it, when you are collaborating, when two people come, two people come together, it really is to the to the power of two or three or however many people yeah. are coming. It does. It makes everything bigger and grander and greater, and the opportunities grow. And I, you know, I, I don't know a shit ton about the Bible, but I know enough to know that <laughs> you know a lot. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah. I know enough to know where... Oh, well, actually, Thais, you might have to correct me on this, though. But I think it's where two or more are gathered in my name. So, so there, there I'll be, or like, there I am. So, like, basically, the idea is, is, like, when people come in together into community, that's where spirit dwells. That's where, yeah. like, that's when magic is starting to happen, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, shout out to the Bible for that. Come on now. Come through Bible. <laughs> I want to know what it is. It's either where two or more are gathered or where three or more are gathered. It's three. actually okay, three. Okay, just kidding. Well, but three, but here's, here's how I always interpreted the three or more is it's the two people and the Holy Spirit. Okay. Speak hey. on it. So you really only Whoa, need two because the Holy go. Spirit always don't show up. <laughs> I love that. Damn. I, I was not expecting this conversation to go biblical, but I'm fucking here for <laughs> yeah. it. Like yeah. throw some old tea yeah. at me any day of the week. Like I love that old Testament <laughs> shit, man. Okay. Janelle and I were in a um, Bible study together that I started at the beginning of the pandemic with all of my friends from middle school in Maryland. Shout out to Kenmore Middle School. That's a good And like my friends in LA. So we like would move through Exodus and look at ourselves as Moses and then be like, as black women, how do you see yourself in the Bible? It was whoa. That is so interesting. Yeah. We saw that white supremacy. I was like, the white supremacists are the You're like this and we King James? No. No, absolutely not. You can't sit with us. <laughs> New age. <laughs> I love it. So we're getting to the end of our time together. But one final thing: there obviously it's not always like butterflies and sunshine and rainbows that we can just collaborate with the people who like are the most dysregulating to us and who knock off our stuff. So let's go. Hot takes. How do you create a boundary and respect yourself in the world if you feel like people are? on your case. Like, what do you do? Yeah. I'm currently working on that with my mom. Shit is hard. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, that's a great question. I think that there is definitely a level up. I I love the term. Thank you, Thais, for coining this for me, but I love the term boss up. Mm -hmm. You know, I do think that there's a level to having a clear understanding of what it is that you are offering and what it is that that is yours in order to be able to walk into a space where you know somebody is taking advantage of that and say, hey, that's not okay. Mm-hmm. And I ha- and the reason why I, I can say that's not okay is not just because I feel that way, but because I have all of this evidence and work and proof to back it up. So it's like partially like being literally organized and having like your articles together and knowing, you know, how to present those when, when the time comes. But also, again, just having a sense of 
awareness and, and clear. And that's why I think that rest is so important because out of that space, when you're creating and building your thing, you do, you become clear about what your light is. And so when you see somebody else trying to walk in your light, it becomes very evident that, Hey, that's my light, you know, and you got your own. So let me guide you and direct you back to yours. I think there's that thing as well. You know, when you find somebody that you can't collaborate with, you can still send them off with love and grace. And it's like, how do we say, hey, that's not okay. You can't do that. But here's a piece of advice for, you know, for you to do your own thing. Or here's what I noticed about what you do that seems unique and special. And so I think even in that, there is, you know, in a karmic return in that as well, I, you know, that feels like a good direction to go in when it comes to setting those boundaries. One thing I would say though, is I'm a proponent of like, my bossing up kind of looks like, I dare you to do it again. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like there has to be love and yes, let them go, but also don't try that because you got the right one. And sometimes you just have to. I don't know what the up looks like, but it looks a little rough. It might look like a call out, you know what I'm saying? But I'm not trying to be a part of like cancel culture or call out culture. But I think some people need to be called out, and some people need to be lit up, and people need to know and see. And you don't want this smoke. So like one of the things is like, I'll be graceful with you behind the scenes. And if you center yourself and your feelings and what's best for you, then you can maybe navigate and see. And then also be like, I never boss up on you. All right. Yep. At the end of the day, you have to be with yourself. You have to sleep at night. So like, yep. what's going to help you sleep exactly. at night knowing that you are standing in integrity in whatever yes. that means in your life and to who you are. Also, copyright your work. Every time you you type something out on the internet and you publish it, technically it has copyright on it. So there's that. Also get trademarks. Like that stuff's really important if you are starting a business. And I would say like protection rituals, also super important if you're not cleansing and protecting. Like if you're mm-hmm. just cleansing all day long and you're not protecting, like time to learn some protection rituals from your ancestry from your lineage. I wear an amulet that is like a little Italian amulet. That's a protection amulet, but like you can also just ask for protection every morning. And I think also saying out loud, like I don't consent to things. Like if a boundary has been crossing, I don't consent to you crossing this boundary in this way. Saying it out loud sets a really clear boundary for people even before they've crossed it. So if they're like edging, if they're like on the border of crossing your boundary and you're like, actually, I don't consent to anyone plagiarizing my work or copying my work without referencing me, that makes it really clear for them. If you want to continue to engage with me, totally great. You got to reference me or you got to like say that you learned this from me or or whatever it might be, whatever it might look like. And send invoices if people copy your stuff. That's one of my favorites. That is the boss up technique that I will be using. <laughs> whatever. I mean, I don't know what people would really copy, but you know, if that happens, that's what I'm doing. I'm sending invoices. I'm sending invoices. Right. I'm gonna do that for people copying my style. There you go. <laughs> but how do y'all feel about the calling out though? Oh, can I say so? Okay, yeah, I, I do want to say something about that. And you actually touched on it, Thais, when you when you started to go into how it is that you want to feel. You know, I think that, yes, I do understand the impetus for calling people out. My only thought about that is when you then participate in something that is with the intention of shaming or calling out or bringing attention or awareness to something that somebody has done that has wronged you or has crossed a boundary for you, you continue to engage in that energy. 
So you have yeah. to ask yourself, is that an energy you want to continue to yep. engage in? You know, I think that the reframe for me of exactly what you're saying is like starting a dialogue. That doesn't mean that by starting the dialogue, you have to like give up your integrity or how you actually feel about them copying your work, but it opens the door for them to also come and surprise you, hopefully, and they might not, with their self-reflection after you kind of call them into the conversation. But then at least you have peace. Even if they don't get it, you have peace. You still walk away with peace, right? Because you have not gone down the rabbit hole of, oh my God, this person crossed my boundary and oh my God, I need to call them out. And oh my God, like this is so wrong. You're just, you're out of that mode. And it's more like, bless you. I recognize what you've done and I'm going to call and hold you accountable. But I also recognize that I have, my own is my own and I'm going to continue to grow and thrive, you know? And I trust in that. Yeah, I feel like those conversations are important to have, like the hard conversations that we want to avoid like that. I mean, it's hard when it's over the internet and email because it's like, I feel like anything in text, people always read more negatively than even it's intended without the body language and like the tone available when we're having in-person or Zoom conversations. But I think it's so important that we try and have these awkward conversations on many topics, but it's like we have to almost call ourselves into the uncomfortableness of maybe, I don't know, calling out I feel like is loaded now as a term, but I I think what's behind it is more of holding people accountable. I think holding people accountable the way you'd want to be held accountable because we've all fucked up. Yeah. Like we've all... yeah. We've all copied, we've gotten a little too close to like being like someone else before. We've all done that. Like we're all just trying to figure out who we are on this path. And you try on many masks and personalities on the way. So how would you like to be taught? How would you like to be like corrected? And what would resonate with you? Would it be shame and like just getting totally dragged in person? I don't know. Probably not. There's probably like a better way to do that. Yeah. I don't know. We all fuck up. I've fucked up. No, I just, I feel like shaming and judging people into changing never works. Mm-hmm. I just say that was a shadow for me. That, I just, that was my Caribbean name. Mm-hmm. I just, I'm like, shame them in public when I'm, what I'm doing. That's a real thing. I mean, there's that a, lot a real of, thing. I have a lot of waspy shame in my lineage too. Those, those wasps, man, they love to shame. That's horrible. It, it's a horrible thing. It doesn't work. It's like the idea of like you can't hate yourself into healing. Yeah. Like you can't shame other people into changing. Yeah. Amen. I think that's a perfect way to end. Thanks, guys. This was a great convo. We are here with screenshotted this week. So we're just going to share a little bit about that's been catching our eye. Maybe we screenshot it, sent it to a friend, just like whatever we're obsessed with right now. Okay. Let me talk to you all about <laughs> one of my interesting screenshots from the week. Okay, so this is a screenshot that I have that I took on Facebook this week. And it says overthinking. It's a definition for overthinking, which is the art of creating problems that don't exist. Um, I took a screenshot of that for myself as a reminder because I'm a Virgo, so I'm naturally inclined to be pretty pedantic. And I'm extremely pedantic, I think a lot. And I have a tendency to overanalyze. And so I have to constantly remind myself 
sometimes to just relax and be and allow things to unfold and not try and figure things out as they're happening. Because really, I don't feel like that's my job most of the time. I think that's the universe's job. Can you say it one more time? Oh, yeah. Overthinking is the art of creating problems that don't exist. So good. Yeah. Except now that I'm thinking about it and saying that out loud, I don't too much care for that. (laughs) But I get it. But y'all get the sentiment when I say it. I guess, you know, overthinking. Thinking is great. Yes. When you start to overthink, that's when it becomes on the negative end of the spectrum. And you can, you know, connote more of a, a negative definition for that. So yeah, that was one of the most interesting things that I have screenshotted. Oh, yeah, I'm going to do one last thing. It's a screenshot video of a TikTok of a woman coming into the bedroom singing All I Want for My Birthday is a Big Booty Ho to her six-year-old daughter <laughs> for her birthday. That is me as a mom when I grow uh... up. So I just wanted to... She literally is this wonderful, lovely woman, and she walks into the bedroom with a beautiful sparkly cake. Her six-year-old daughter is in this big bed. They obviously live in a beautiful house. And she is literally blasting, all I want for my birthday is a big booty hoe. Booty hoe. And her baby voice and everything. It's it's everything. That is the mom I strive to be. I'll add a link to it. Okay, love those. Thais, do you want to go? No, I have not been screenshotting anything. And I really haven't really been on plugged into the outside world to be perfectly honest I've just been in a cocoon so it's like I've been taking pictures of I have been taking pictures I've been taking pictures of myself and that yes so I think that can replace my screenshots it's the pictures of myself that I've been taking what do you think you're kind of discovering through the photos that you've been taking of you throughout your inward journey that I'm really cute yeah. Yes. I'm really into this idea of self portraiture, selfies, whatever, as like a means for exploring self love in a way that is just cathartic, you know? Yes. Everything you just said, yes. I just made a reel yesterday of just myself in different <laughs> positions, Sick. and I called it literally self appreciation posts. I was like, I, I'm I hot today that. and I feel great today about myself. And I want to just make a video appreciating the fuck out of myself. And I did that. And you know what? Also, what does that mean as a black woman to let other mm. people appreciate yourself? Yes. Abashedly. You know, then you're going to get some haters. You're going to inspire some people. You know what I'm saying? And like, you know, for the people, listen, my selfie it's because I'm cute and you need to see how cute I am to inspire yourself to take your own selfie and look at how cute you are. I'm doing this for you. It's so true. And I need those selfies and I need that reel. I know what I'm going to be doing for the rest of the afternoon. Yeah, no, go do that. I literally <laughs> right after the meeting, our meeting yesterday, I was like, fuck it. I'm going to go hike and take and make a reel because it's that day. It's one of those days. It's one of those days. You need that. You need that medicine. Yeah, exactly. Thais, I love your reframe on the screenshot. You're like, actually, it's just me. It is self. Can I just give one last moment of shameless plug? Yeah. I did Because I did also screenshot one other thing today, which is a picture of the poster of for A Little Late with Lily. Because I'm going to be on that show next week unless they cancel or cut my scene, which could happen, you know. Yeah, we're not claiming that. But they're not doing that. It's not happening at all. But I also just talked to the producers yesterday and they said that it's still on. So we're good. But Wait, <laughs> please say more. I am on A Little Late with Lily. Lily Singh is a, a late night talk show. Yes, host. she is, I, I swear, wonder. Canadian. 
But yeah, she's Canadian. No, she is Canadian. Yeah. And she's on NBC. Uh-huh. And, she, yes. and she's on NBC. I think um, she's actually from Toronto. Shout out to Toronto. Toronto. Yes, she is. Yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> took a screenshot of that just to post on all over my post- social media and I'm plugging it on this podcast. It's supposed to come on Wednesday the 20th at 1.35 a.m. PST. So yeah, go check that out. Yeah. Can you stream it online? You can also stream it the next day online on Hulu. Hulu is the only one that I know of that has NBC. Or if you have like cable network and you can stream like cable online, you can do that as well. I don't have to have okay. cable in years. So I don't know how that works, but yeah. So there's that. And it's my first principal role on national television. So like the big, are you playing for- a character? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I play the main, it's Lily and I in a sketch about oh, amazing. Kamala Harris. Yeah. It's really cool. Sick. Hey, congrats. That's yes. like Yes. Yes, Queen. We stand you. Yeah. Hey. That's fucking so sick. Yeah. We'll link to that for sure. Yes. And she just directed her a promising young artist. His name is Peyton Pearson. Yes. Not for him. He's going to do big things. But she directed his music video. I did. Which we also need to link. I haven't watched it yet. I want to watch it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Check it out. So I'm, I'll send the link. I'll put the link up in the chat. Like, this is like turning into self-promotion for me. <laughs> <laughs> These this, are things that need to be promoted. If you got things to share, then guess what? The world needs to hear it. So if Amen. we get her, then guess what? All right. Hallelujah. So on that exactly. note, go check out the video. It's Comfortable by Peyton Pearson. I am linking this in the chat pretty awesome i'm not gonna lie i directed it and it's pretty great get it janelle okay mine is a little bit i've been in a tech obsessed past few days and watching all of the different apps in the spirituality wellness space that are popping up and chani nicholas has a new horoscope app out and I've been sending that to a lot of people and I've had a lot of fun. Also a Toronto native, but living in LA now. Chani Nicholas. I need to look that up. Yeah. You know what? Torontonians. Is that what y'all are called? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Torontonians. I'm going to say you Wallace have opened up my eyes. And I think <laughs> there are way more f- people from Toronto than we give them credit for being. That's hilarious. <laughs> Y'all roll deep and y'all have accomplished things. I mean, Canadians sneak into all the industries in the U.S. and then don't. Some of them rep their hometown, yeah. but a lot don't. Yeah. yeah. But Shawnee Nicholas, she, I, I really like the way that she incorporates a lot of like community activism minded readings into her work. She's really dope. I really like her. And her app is called Chani. It's great. You can find it on ChaniNicholas.com. Yeah. And it's just got good graphics. It's also if you're trying to understand. I feel that I'm at the tip of the iceberg in terms of understanding the deeper levels of astrology. And I feel like this is a good way to get into it. And then the other thing that I screenshotted to send to my brother, actually, is he was talking to me about this app called Signal a messaging app where the government can't find you yes yes oh so, give me that so that's the top trending apps that are free are signal telegram tiktok of course and parlor but fuck parlor but 
Signal and Telegram are encrypted messaging services because Facebook and like WhatsApp have basically said like, yeah, we're going to continue to sell a bunch of your data. So I screenshotted it. It was just interesting to see what's happened over the past little while in terms of tech and their decisions to engage or not engage in politics and the trend towards more encrypted private messaging and all of the different ways that's that's being dealt with right now. I don't know a lot about all of this, but I was just like, oh, that's that's interesting. Like, will we eventually... I'm just curious to see how long will Facebook and Instagram and WhatsApp really be the main things that we communicate through. I think people are going to move much more towards community-led platforms, like even Mighty Networks that we use for holisticism, being able to engage in your niche communities where you feel safe, you feel supported, you can be open and you can be you and we're not mining your data for anything to sell to so-and-so. So I think it just got me on this train of thinking, a lot about what's next in terms of social media. Are the big giants really going to last that long? I think we're going to move towards more community-led initiatives that are not backed by just like giant tech that is essentially backed by Republicans. Yeah. Well, correct me if I'm wrong. Aren't we entering and we have entered into the age of Aquarius? And mm-hmm. does Aquarius have something to do Wow, no, y'all gonna see how much I don't know nothing about astrology. I think this is an age of, of it is an age of technology, the age of Aquarius. Mm-hmm. My sun sign is Aquarius, and I have this side of me that That's goes, right. yeah, I'll every once in a while I'll just spend like a few weeks just reading about and learning about new tech, and I'm always curious about new tech companies. And so I definitely have that within mm-hmm. my sign. There's so many ethical things at play with tech, too. So. Oh yeah. Oh, oh, especially now a shit ton. Are you kidding me with AI, all the conversations that are happening and like the things that they're talking about trying to put into our brains. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of ethical and moral shit that's about to be coming up. A little scary in some regards. I mean, it's exciting, but also it's just like what I'm seeing that they're capable of. So my dad is an Aquarius. He also very often goes down tech, like rabbit tech holes. <laughs> and he also works at a job. He works for Impossible Foods right now. It's really awesome. Recently, he was talking to me about some te- technology. And it's very interesting the, what, the, what they're capable of right now that they're not talking about mainstream. I'll just say that. Yeah. And what that the implications that could ha- have behind our society, like basically giving everybody superpowers, right? <laughs> it was like one idea or like downloading the internet into everybody's brain, you know? Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I, <laughs> I say all of that. No, I, I'm i totally with you. Yeah, because I do. I do think that those are conversations over the next decade or a couple of decades that we're really going to have to start having. Because I think that it feels at least that some of these pieces of technology are steadily making their way or trying to make their way to mainstream. And so, yeah, it is. It's going to be very interesting. The other thing that I wanted to touch on really quickly is you were talking about how we may move over to more community-based platforms. And I definitely hear a lot more sentiment behind the people going off grid. I know personally for me, like I have a real desire to be able to live off grid. Same here. Yo, me too. Like, I I hate that when I don't go on Instagram, sometimes people are like, where you been at? Yeah. I don't know. 
No, a hundred percent. I agree with you. I think that one thing that, and I think this happened for a lot of people, but one thing that definitely solidified that for me was watching that documentary, The Social Dilemma really was pretty scary. When you think about, you know, these companies are, they're trading in in our lives. They literally Mm -hmm. are trading in our futures Mm -hmm. and they are not only betting on what we're going to do next, but they're trying to predict it. And that's, that is not, I'm not trying to live a life where like there's a computer out there trying to predict what I'm going to do next, you know, so much so that it's then going to try and sell me that very thing. I'm not interested. That sounds like such a miserable, like a toxic life and energy system that I'm just not interested in being a part of. So I agree with you when you say that we, it feels like we're moving more towards community-based platforms, but it also makes me wonder, because I feel like in order for that to happen, there also has to be simultaneously a move away from capitalism in the way that we've seen it. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing that I have not, again, this is a whole new like other podcast topic, mm-hmm. but I, it's why I'm really excited to talk about because it's one thing that I have not been able to like wrap my head around. It's like, what no, is me neither. without capitalism look like, if that's even possible, that feels like very apocalyptic yeah. almost to be real, real. But then what does it look like if we're not getting rid of capitalism, but restructuring it? How can you restructure capitalism where it takes out all the, the toxicity that, that this is how, this is how I think you do it. White people, specifically white men and white women that perpetuate what white men are doing, they must be willing to sacrifice. If they are not willing to sacrifice, then their allyship is simply performative. There are certain things we need for resources, and some of those things you own and you don't deserve, and you know that you don't, so you give it up so that the person who does deserve it gets it. And that is when I think that capitalism will be restructured so it has more equity or so that it's more equal. But there are people who don't want to inherently not have the things that they have. Well, I feel like, but, yes, I feel like that's capitalism through a lens of race, right? But I think that, but I think that capitalism in itself, outside of race, has inherent issues. So you can't yeah. really erase the like the spirit of competition or like the spirit of like climbing on top of like the little to get to the top by just addressing the equity amongst race like that is its own thing and it's it's also necessary right but capitalism within itself it's like you know black people hispanic people asian people once everybody's getting money we're still dealing with the same issues that that left us miserable sad competing with one another feeling of you know uh, lack and scarcity because capitalism in its self is an issue. That's why I'm like, I ask myself, can can capitalism even be restructured or is it inherently something that motivates unhealthy competition? Yeah. I feel like the question that comes up for me or the idea that I don't think people want to ever give up power. Mm -hmm. And so in both lenses, it's like, no matter where people are sitting, they don't want to give up power. I think that's a bit of just like a human thing. But I also think we don't know what a life beyond capitalism looks like because it's something we have to create together. And I feel like that's, there's a lot of like work that needs to be done to figure out how to create it together. But I think a lot of people I hear or read people be like, well, what does it look like? What does it look like without capitalism? Well, we don't know. And we have to be willing to create it together and that that is going to be obviously an ongoing process that evolves over hundreds of years and whatnot. But I think that people kind of say, well, I don't know if that's even possible. Well, 
maybe not within the framework that we're looking at now because we don't even know what it looks like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree with you 100%. I definitely, yeah, it's it's a hard thing to grasp, but I, but I think that you're right. I think if we're going to get there and the only way to get there is by figuring that out together because it, it, it also will, I think, inherently take a, a shift of value of our value system, right? It's like we live in a world where we pay basketball players millions of dollars for an endorsement, but teachers get paid, you know, $50,000 a year. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, And it's like, our value system is so Exactly. So fucking weird. weird. And and that's why it's like a move towards relearning what it means to be in community together. And I can't pretend to even know myself because it's like, we're brought up in such a individualistic society what does it mean to be a better community member that's something I really want to learn and and don't feel like we're taught that we're taught so much about how to be more productive how to be Mm -hmm. a better contributor solo contributor to the machine or whatever yeah, 100%. But we clearly have to have another episode. Yeah, I know. <laughs> discussing I, this. this. Is, yeah. I really want to talk about the capitalism thing. I think that is because I think that that ultimately, whatever that looks like, is a call to action. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, obviously that will initially show up in our own personal lives and, and, you know, in a very individual or personal way, I'll say. But I think ultimately that will then expand itself to the community and figuring out, okay, so what what is our call to action and and restructuring or dismantling capitalism and what and what do we want to see at the end of that you know yeah I do I'd love to have this conversation putting a pin in that perfect way to end (laughs) we will I think we got to get that on the books stat thank you everybody for listening please rate review and subscribe and if you text us a screenshot of your review we will we promise to send you a little treat So let us know what you think. Also text us any of your thoughts. We'd love to hear from you. And thanks for tuning in to the 12th house. Bye.